Happy Mother's Day. We have Anna Jarvis in part to thank for Mother's Day. In 1907, she convinced her church to hold a special service on the anniversary of her mother's death. The entire congregation honored mothers that Sunday, and Anna personally gave each mother a white carnation. And because of her consistent prodding, state legislatures all across the nation began to set aside their own days to honor moms. And in 1910, the U.S. House of Representatives passed a resolution officially honoring Mother's Day. Here's the thing, though. Children's Day comes 365 days a year for moms. So it is good to be reminded of one of the things we are to do every day. Honor our moms. So take your Bibles with me and stand to read God's Word. We're going to read Exodus chapter 20 and just one verse, verse 12. We're reading the context of the Ten Commandments that God spoke to the people. And in verse 12, we read these words. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness in gathering us together, giving us this privilege. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, even for verses like Exodus 20 and verse 12 that remind us of something that is very important to you. And so Lord, as we think deeply on your truth, we pray that you would open our eyes, that we would see wonderful things in your word and open our hearts, that we would receive what you have for us today. For your glory and our good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The main point today is the main point of Exodus 20 and verse 12. We are to honor our moms so that we would honor God and experience the blessings of obedience. We are to honor our moms so that we would honor God and experience the blessings of obedience. Because you honor God when you honor your mom. And you experience the blessing that God brings that comes with obedience. Before we go any further, though, I want to acknowledge some things that we all know. I want to go into a bit more detail than I have in the past. We know that motherhood is joyful due to God and painful due to sin. Think of Mary's grief and anguish of soul due to sinful man's treatment of her sinless son as he went to the cross. But to be a mom is to suffer. And Mother's Day is an especially sad and painful day for some. Those whose mothers didn't love them as they should have. Those who want to be moms and are not. Those who have wayward children. 
those who have recently lost their mom, and those whose children have died. For some, Mother's Day and being reminded that they are or that they are not a mom is a point of sadness and pain. If your mom didn't love you like she should have, I hope that God's love and the love of His people have been used by God in your life to fill some of the void. If you aren't a mom but want to be, you may have felt a thousand times like Rachel saying to Jacob in Genesis 30 and verse 1. You may have cried out to God, Give me children or I die. If you aren't a mom but want to be, you must conclude that at this point in time, God has other plans. And it's like that in all of life. God gives, we gather. He is in control. He knows the plans He has for us. And they are far better than we could ever know or ever plan. And He has plans to give us a future and a hope. If you, had way, if you have wayward children... You pray that with all your heart that they would return to the Lord, that they would, as, as, as 3 John verse 4 says, that you would have no greater joy but to hear of your children walking in the truth. We know that God gives second chances and more. He changes us. He gives us ample opportunity to to be different than we were and to repent and you are praying that for your children who are wayward. If you have recently lost your mom, allow yourself to grieve. We say with Job, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And if your children have died you know the most painful pain. The first mom, Eve, had her heart ripped apart by murder. The first mom in the first family experienced the first murder, one of her own children. However it happened for you, your heart aches you are especially mindful of the void created. But whatever it is that may cause pain and may cause sadness on this day, this day, today, May 8th, 2011, and I know this day well because it's been on my calendar for a long time because it is Mother's Day and it is also my, my middle child's 13th birthday. So for now, we have three teenagers out of five. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God from whom all blessings flow. But this day, May 8th, 2011, can be for you a day of encouragement and expectation rather than a day of discouragement and despair. God can change your perspective. He can be for you 
what others have not. Sometimes the thing that we wish most wasn't a part of our life can become the thing that we are most thankful for. As God turns burdens into blessings. As he works for his greatest glory and our greatest good at the cross, he causes all things to work together for good to those who love him. And he is using your deepest pain to make you, if you're a believer, more like Jesus. That he is the God of all comfort, that comforts us in all of our affliction so that we, in turn, may be able to turn and be a comfort to others who are in any affliction with the comfort that we ourselves have been comforted with in Christ. And you may not realize it now, but God is equipping you through your pain for ministry with other people. Praise God. One more thing we all need to remember before we get into Exodus 20 and verse 12 is that this is a day to honor moms and not to set guilt trips on them or us. But let's look at Exodus 20 and verse 12. It is the fifth of the Ten Commandments. It is known as the forgotten commandment because it's one that a lot of people want to forget. The Ten Commandments were part of God's covenant commitment to His people. God redeemed His people, Exodus 2 and verse 24 says, because He remembered His covenant with them. And as the people stood in awe before God on Mount Sinai, they couldn't touch the mountain or they would die due to the holiness of God and their sinfulness. But as the people stood before God, before that mountain, they heard His voice saying words. Exodus 20 and verse 2. I am the Lord your God, He said, who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. He's reminding them of his faithfulness. He's reminding them of his grace. He's reminding them of his mercy. He's reminding them of his greatness. I am the Lord your God. And here's where you came from. Exodus 19.5 says that he gave his law so that they would keep his covenant. Chapter 24 and verse 7, the law of God is called the book of the covenant. And he gave them in the Ten Commandments a list of things that were to form the basis of their covenant relationship with him. Later they were called the Ten Words in chapter 34 and verse 28 from which we get the name the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments. But the people were to be single-mindedly devoted to God and him alone. In verse 3 of Exodus 20, the first command, that they were to worship God alone. In verse 6, we see that their behavior to others was to be inspired by their love for God. And through his law, he reveals himself to his people. He shows his holiness and his majesty and his justice and his love. Through his law, he set his people apart. His rules for living made them distinct. For Israel, keeping covenant was obeying the word of God. 
Through his law, God defined how his people could experience his blessing. The blessings of the covenant were related to the way their lives were to be lived. Obedience led to covenant blessings. Disobedience led to forfeited blessing. And these ten words, these ten commands are moral imperatives from God to his people to govern all of life, to regulate man's relationship with God and others. It tells us how to live in relation to God and how in relation to others. And the order is important because true morality is founded on reverence towards God. Commands 1 through 4 have to do with loving God as a way to honor God and keep his covenant. Commands 5 through 10 have to do with loving others as a way to honor God and keep his covenant. And these are significant. These are part of the covenant. They were directly spoken to the people by God without Moses as the intermediary. They were written... Exodus 31, 18 tells us by the finger of God on stone tablets. Jesus himself summed the Ten Commandments up as this, love for God and love for neighbor. Matthew 22, 37 to 39. Love for God comes first. Love for others flows from it. We who are under the new covenant are to do what the Ten Commandments say as the outflow of the life of Christ in us. Loving God and loving others. Verse 12 starts with the word honor. Honor is a weighty word. It is significant. Honor means to consider as valuable. To cherish. And so to act accordingly. It assumes... Honor your father and mother assumes that a religious heritage is being passed on. The parents have this awesome role and responsibility before God in the family of of representing God to their children. It's huge. To teach them God's word. To share their lives. And what this verse requires is for children to honor parents in all sorts of ways. But its most basic application is is probably of a way that we have not recognized. We like to say to kids, okay kids, because we are so programmed by Ephesians 6.1 that says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right, and then quotes Exodus 20.12, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise. So we say, okay kids, listen up. Honor your mom and dad, or else you know you've said it. But its primary significance is for adults. Children are to take care of their parents in their parents' old age. That's the primary teaching and application of Exodus 20 in verse 12. They're to take care of their parents in their parents' old age when they are no longer able to work for themselves or care for themselves. And they are to honor whatever the parents have given by way of inheritance to them or not. By the way, my kids like to tell me, you're old, Dad. I got to start replying, you need to start taking care of me. I love this. 
This verse has a promise of long life in the promised land. Just as parents who had lived long lives need to be cared for near the end of their lives, so Israel as a nation and the families that comprised it would enjoy long life in the land that God was giving them as they obeyed him. This was incentive to obey. This promise that is attached to this command. Cursing one's parents, uh, essentially uh, repudiating their authority, rejecting their authority, was a capital offense in those days. It was one of the reasons listed for the Babylonian exile. Failure to honor parents. This is important. This is significant. Jesus himself in Luke 2.51, it tells us that he submitted himself to Joseph and Mary. Paul made it personal, applied this promise to believers in his day in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, and it is personal. Obedience to parents will be rewarded because what happens is this, you won't be putting yourselves unnecessarily in harm's way through unwise actions. You miss obedience to parents, you put yourself out there. Now, I got to tell you, this is not one of those things where you can say, I checked it off, I honored my parents, now give me long life, God. It doesn't work that way. Your times are in God's hands. Man knows not his times. Your days are numbered by God. None of us will live one second longer than God has already ordained for us to live. There are two questions stemming from this verse that I want us to address. The first is this. Why is motherhood honorable? Why is motherhood honorable? And the second question, how can we practice Exodus 20 and verse 12 in tangible, ongoing ways on a daily basis? So let's look at the first question. Exodus 20 and verse 12 shows us why motherhood is honorable. Three truths about motherhood that we tend to forget in daily life. I know I do. That should drive our understanding of and our honor and our response to and treatment of our moms. This is kind of like a basic theology of motherhood. The first is this. Motherhood is sacred. Motherhood is sacred. God created motherhood. It was his idea. Exodus 20 and verse 12 says, Honor your father and mother. It assumes that something's going on relationally here, that fathers and mothers are overseeing their kids, and, and, and it's a sacred trust. It's a gift to humbly receive. It's not something to be arrogant about. Like Rachel and Leah's competition, competing for one another with one another for prominence. Jealousy in, in, between the two of them led to a baby derby. That's how we got the 12 tribes of Israel. Motherhood is given by God, but not all moms honor God. Same with every God-given role. But as we know in Romans eleven thirty six, from him and through him and to him are all things, including motherhood. In him, all things hold together, including motherhood. The family is God's idea. It assumes, this verse assumes that there are mothers and fathers and children in, 
in relationship of unique accountability. The family is ordained by God in creation. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28 tells us, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now how are are we to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth? Is it by haphazard mating and, and haphazard pregnancies, which is common? No. Genesis 2.24 tells us that a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Cleave means to stick like glue. The covenant relationship between one man and one woman, a cleaving to each other alone, in a one flesh union, that's God's idea for the family. Now we know it's often broken. And if it is broken by death or divorce or by even abandonment, there are single parent families. And God is faithful. And God has been faithful to mothers and fathers Millions of mothers and fathers who have had to raise children alone. But his original purpose was one man and one woman as husband and wife. And this is the way he fills the earth with humans who show forth his glory. With couples whose covenant relationship shows the world the way that God relates to his people in love and faithfulness. Motherhood is sacred. The second thing, motherhood is significant. It's significant. God blesses motherhood. He says, honor your father and mother. It's personal. Now, God is the source of every good thing. And by God's design from the marriage union, if God so blesses, comes new life, comes babies, comes little human beings, whatever word you have for them. That's how we all got here. Sorry to blow the story, mom and dad, for your kids if they're here with you right now. But none of us got here any other way. And God made the family the basic place for instructing children how to live in the world. And God ordained the family not just to be fruitful and to fill the earth with people, but to be fruitful and fill the earth with equipped people. People who are equipped to live now, here on earth, and who are equipped for the world to come. It's God's design. It's an awesome design. It's the parent's responsibility. I will give an account to God for how the hearts of my kids were shaped by by me and Angela and whoever we entrusted them to along the way. God honors moms uniquely for their significant role. One of my favorite places that he does so is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. In fact, the main point of 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8 isn't about moms. It's about great gospel ministry and God using moms as a great example of great gospel ministry. Paul is defending his ministry to the Thessalonians and he says this. He's, and by the way, these two verses have been my ministry verses for years. I love this picture. 
It is so tender. He says this, we proved to be gentle among you, nurturing, caring, loving. And then he said this, like a mother, a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. How does a nursing mother tenderly care for her own children? She, she cradles that baby. She protects the baby. And then she gives the baby food that God provides. It's a, a beautiful picture, and God is using that as a picture of how to share the gospel and how to live the gospel. Paul says in verse 8, we were so desirously affectionate towards you that we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel, but our very lives because you had been, you'd become so dear to us. We're not supposed to beat people over the head with the gospel. We're supposed to love them, build a relationship with them, and then speak words of truth. God created mothers for his glory, and he shows us through their example how to live and share the life-sustaining gospel through purposeful nurturing relationships. Motherhood's significant. Third thing. Motherhood, and this might be a zinger for you, okay? But just go with me and you'll, you'll, I think you're going to get it. Motherhood is secondary. It's secondary. God prioritizes it. The position of the fifth command, the first of our duties towards others, shows its importance. And further shown by it being the first command with a promise... But Matthew 10, 37 says this. Jesus says this. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. You are not to love your mom and your dad more than Jesus. You're supposed to love them a lot, but not more than God. Titus chapter 2 in verses 3 through 5 teach us some things about that about, the, about the, 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 the secondary nature of motherhood, but the, the significance and the sacredness of it as well. In fact, go with me there to Titus chapter 2. God is speaking through Paul to Titus, a younger man, and he says this in verse 1, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine, what accords with truth from God. And he says this, he says in verse 2, he's to teach older men. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Then he tells them he's supposed to teach older women. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. So here's what happens. God to Paul, to Titus, to the older women, and now the older women are to teach the younger women something. And here's what they're to teach them. They are to teach what is good. What is good? Here it is, verse 4. So train the young women to love their husbands and children. There's the priority. Husband, the the marital relationship comes before kids. And and children are a welcome addition. But you don't leapfrog over your your, uh, husband to, to say your kids are more important. Nor should you leapfrog over God to say that your spouse or your kids are more important. You've got to keep things in priority. First it's God, then your spouse, then your kids. Now there are some things in this verse, and, and I'm going to keep going, but just remember this. I'm delivering the king's mail. 
They are to train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, and working at home. Some people don't want to read that, but it's in the Bible. What does it mean? It doesn't mean you can't have a job outside the home. It doesn't mean that you can't make wages outside the home or have a home-based business. What it means is you aren't to neglect the home because of your job. Same as a husband's not to leapfrog over his family and make his work more important, which is a, a a, a, a temptation to all of us men. But it says to be working at home, kind, and, okay, here we go, the red light flashing for you, but I am delivering the mail. Submissive to their own husbands. Hello. I don't know how many weddings I've done where the the bride-to-be will say, we are not saying two words in this wedding. Submit and obey. I'm thinking, they're in trouble from the (laughs) get-go. And there's plenty there for young men and older men, but we'll get to that on Father's Day. How's that? (laughs) The Bible teaches us to honor our parents, and at the same time, we're taught to make God our highest priority, our highest authority, esteeming Him above all earthly authority, including parents. Now, if the day comes... And God forbid it comes, but if the day comes that you must choose to reject parental authority to obey God, family conflicts will be inevitable. Just write down Luke 12, 51-53. And in spite of the tension and potential consequences, you must follow God. Write down Acts 5, verse 29. Now Jesus speaks, by the way, of hating parents, but not in the way that we use the word hate. Luke 14, 26. The way he he means it is this, to avoid making them the highest authority in your life. That your love for parents would seem like hate in relation to your love for God. Proper perspective. But motherhood is secondary. Motherhood is sacred. It is significant. It is secondary. God made it. God blesses it. God prioritizes it. And, and why do we need to be reminded of these things? Because motherhood is routinely devalued and demoted, downgraded. Motherhood is a high calling. Our little girls and our young women should be taught to aspire to be wives and mothers. When they're asked what they want to be when they grow up, wife and mom should be at the top of the list. It's a high calling from God. So how about putting this verse into practice? Exodus 20 and verse 12. How can we, on an ongoing basis, in in tangible ways, not just once a year, do this? And, And by the way, moms see right through the whole, it's Mother's Day, I'm gonna be nice to you thing. But wait till tomorrow or after lunch or whatever. Moms can see right through that. Blew your cover again. There you go. I'm going to give you seven things and we'll go quickly through them. But number one, here's how you can put this into practice on a daily basis, not just once a year. Number one, in in an overarching way, resolve to honor her every single day. If she's living, and especially if you're living with her. Kids, 
you're living with your mom, or adults, if you're living with your mom, resolve, decide to initiate something good toward her every single day. Give her the gift of honor every day. Perhaps the greatest gift she could get from you is your, your tender love and honor. My buddy, Darren Madol just moved to uh, the South, and uh, I miss him greatly, but one of the things I loved about him was we coached soccer together for probably six or seven years, and after every practice, after every game, he'd get the girls together, and he'd say, who's done something good for their mom today? I'll be raising their hands, saying what they did. He was teaching them something valuable that wasn't for, from the soccer field, but something that would be valuable to them at home and something that would honor God. Share your life with her as well as the gospel. Preach the gospel to her as lovingly and as gently and carefully as she cared for you. And by the way, kids, I want you to listen up again. If you're, if you're living at home, anyone who's living at home with their parents and you're not honoring your mom your first relational responsibility under God isn't being done. You are disobeying God and everything else in life will be hindered. My dad is here this service, my mom and dad. And, and my dad used to get so angry at me when I did not honor my mom. He defended her and that is what a man should do. If you're married, and you do not honor both of your mothers. You are disobeying God. You are dishonoring God. And you are harming your spouse. Second thing. Realize that your mom needs Jesus every moment. Just like you. She has fallen and flawed and needs a savior. Just like you. No mom is perfect because no mom is God. We're not to revere or worship our moms above God. We're to honor them greatly. Your mom needs Jesus. She needs the gospel. Your mom needs to trust and obey and repent just like you do every day. Number three, remember her teaching and follow it. Be mindful of the good things she taught you and do them. Proverbs 1 verse 8 says this, Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Forsake means to abandon, to leave. God says stick with what your mom taught you, assuming she taught you what is good and right and true. Now you may rightly say, but she didn't teach me good stuff, but bad stuff. She was a bad example. She hurt you deeply or, or, or whatever, and, and, and I'm sorry that that happened. Most of us don't know half the story. There's always backstory. And we are affected by other people's actions. But here's the deal. Gospel truth enables us to rise above and transcend those things. And live in the reality and, the, and, the, and operate in the reality of glorious redeeming truth. And even mothers who have not acted honorably toward their children are to be honored by their children. She may feel the pain of regret more than you know. And she may need your forgiveness and your love and your compassion and your grace more than anyone in your life. 
Number four, reach out to her as often as possible, especially if she is aging and in need of your care. Pray for her and let her know. Someday she'll be gone. So let me just say, call your mom. Call your mom. Call your mom. Visit your mom. Hug your mom. Kiss your mom. Love your mom. All right? Your dad told me to tell you that. Number five, realistically deal with her need for care. She may be in need of physical and emotional care, especially if she's aging and in need of your care. And many of you have done this. Many of you are in the middle of doing this. Many of you are planning ahead to do this. But that's probably the greatest way that you can honor your father and mother. Many of you have done this, making some kind of arrangements for their care. It honors God. Number six, reflect on her life and speak well of her, especially if she's no longer alive. If she's alive right now, write her a tribute and give it to her. Give it to her in person. Say it to her in person with your own words. Tell her how much she means to you. Tell others either way about the positive impact your mom made. A friend of mine whose mom died in 2001 Jim Fight, I did his mom's funeral. And almost every year since then, she died uh, this week, Mother's Day week. And er almost every year since then, on that week, he sends a letter to me and to the rest of the family honoring his mom. I got one this week. And I'll say this, I don't believe that old age is the time to debate with your parents what you think they did wrong. It is not a time for you to be right. It is a time for you to, to point out whatever they did right. And it may be humbling and painful and requires self-restraint, but it will be blessed by God. And last thing, recognize God's goodness in giving you a mom. Recognize his goodness. It's because of the goodness of God that he has provided a mom for you especially if you never knew you birthed mom. That hopefully God brought into your life a mom through adoption or foster care and, and you can pray for the woman who gave birth to you. And she may never have taught you anything, but she loved you. And you can forgive her if you need to. And you can thank God for the mom he did give you who taught you and loved you tangibly and made such an impact in your life. Do you realize this? He uniquely fitted you and your mom for one another. I didn't know my mom would be here this service, so I'm going to cry, so I'll just tell you that now. I would not be here today if not for my mom. I love my mom. And by the way, you can't say that. My mom is not your mom. And no one else in all the world but Melanie and Cindy and me can say that Barbara Shera is our mom. It's a wonderful gift of God to me. I'm going to go give her a kiss right now. <laughs>
Mike, remember to call mom on your own birthday and wish her a happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Love you too. <sighs> you may think today my attitude towards my mom needs to change. And I would say, wonderful. Great that God opened your eyes to that today. But only God can bring about that change. And it won't come about unless God does it. And it won't come about without your cooperation. It honors God when we honor our moms. And on top of all that, he blesses us in the process. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that your design for all of our earthly roles are only for a time that your purposes transcend motherhood even. And that we thank you that motherhood points us to the cross. That moms give of themselves to give life-sustaining food for their kids and so they may grow and thrive and be productive members of society. And we thank you, most importantly, that Jesus gave up his own life to give us life so that we could thrive and grow in his grace and knowledge and serve him continually. And yes, most of us feel like we are always repenting because we're always sinning. We thank you that we can confess our sins and you are faithful and and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Every one of us wants to be the perfect son or daughter. But there was only one perfect son and they nailed him to a cross. But he lives. And we cannot keep covenant with you or one another without you. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. We thank you, Lord, that if we are faithless, you remain faithful because you cannot deny yourself. And that is our hope for life. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.